0: As they're going down, just a couple of things. Number one, give thanks for our media team, our sound booth, and our uh, worship team this morning. Come on, you can do better than that. You know, usually the sound people only get recognized when things go to heck. Um, but uh, they've had quite a morning Things were a little discombobulated when they come in. Sometimes you come in and flip an electric switch, and you think it should be exactly the same as it was the week before, and miracle of miracles, it's not. Uh, So thank you to them for their hard work this morning, for our worship team, for all they do. I'm so glad that you're here. If you're new to fullness, welcome. We're glad that um, God directed you and brought you here to worship with us today, and One of our favorite events of the entire year is coming up this Wednesday night, our Fullness Thanksgiving Feast. Uh, If you're new to Fullness, if you're, I mean, you you just may be a guest this morning, but you want to come, we encourage you to come to our Thanksgiving Feast. It's uh, downstairs. We furnish something, and you bring the rest. Uh, So there's a sign up. I think we furnish turkey and drinks and that sort of stuff. You bring side dishes and desserts. And we just have a great time of fellowshipping together. And then we usually come up here and just talk about what God has done in our lives and in the last year. We're grateful for for all of his work in our lives. We are, um, this morning, going to talk about thankful giving. Now, if this is your first time to fullness, yeah, you came on the t- Sunday, I'm going to talk about giving. Uh, but I want to talk about it, I hope, in a in a different light that will help us open up our hearts and minds to what God wants to do in us. We're coming up to thanksgiving. See, I got it. You got it. Thankful giving, thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, Here's the thing about giving thanks. Thanks is only given to a source, to a receiver, right? So if you're going to thank, you got to thank someone. To whom are we giving thanks at Thanksgiving? There's this spirit of our age that basically says, oh, all I have to do is live a life of gratitude. Again, gratitude has to be directed somewhere. Thankfulness has to be directed somewhere. Otherwise, it's inherent in the meaning of being thankful. Whom am I being thankful for? to? We are being thankful thankful to god ultimately we recognize even our nation for hundreds of years has recognized that there is a source uh, to which we give thanks paul in second corinthians chapters 8 and 9 talks about thanks and giving he talks about putting these two things together about living thankful lives and at the same time living lives that reflect we're thankful by giving and not just giving thanks but by giving here's what he says in um second corinthians nine fifteen: thanks be to god for his indescribable gift this morning we tried to sing of god's indescribable gift But Paul, in these chapters of chapters 8 and 9, he's talking about giving, and he closes it out by saying, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And the the meaning that he's trying to give to us in this is that we serve a giving God. And as a result, we're to be a giving people. We're created in his image. We're redeemed by his name. We understand that... Um, God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. What did he give? He gave his most precious possession. He gave his only begotten son. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Whenever someone starts talking about giving, many times there are these things that well up within us these thoughts, these ideas, because of a number of reasons. When we talk about giving to the church, we think about it as an obstacle. Like, oh, I don't want to give to the church. You know, all they care about is my money. I I have a friend who pastors a church. I, I don't know if you know, you can put reviews about churches online. Did you know this? You can review. I read some reviews, and some of you had some very nice things to say. By the way, um, as some of you, yeah, the ones who signed it said something nice. I have a friend who has a church in another state, and I was looking at his reviews just for fun. It was just kind of interesting. Several of them said all they care about is money. I know that's not true. I know it's just not true, but it is for many people an obstacle because they've seen the church in a in a broader setting, or on television, or something, where people are manipulated into into giving. Where they've been taught, I think, bad teaching about giving. You know, teaching that will say, look, you you have to tithe. Now, I'm going to get to this in a minute. I do believe in tithing. I'm just going to spoiler alert. I do believe in tithing. I believe that the tithe goes to the local church. I I know that it's an Old Testament concept, but I think it's carried over into the church of grace. I think grace doesn't release us, it calls us to greater depth. We'll talk about that in a minute. But their teaching on tithing goes something like this. If you don't tithe, you know, God is going to get his. He's going to get his tithe from you. So you can either give to the church your 10% or he's going to bust your refrigerator and then you'll have to pay, pay the repairman. Or your car's going to break down, or your tire's going to explode. Something bad will happen to you if you don't it. People, that is just manipulation, and it's not godly in any sense. And so a lot of people see giving to the church as an obstacle. Some people see it as a burden or an obligation. They think, okay, I've joined the club. Here are the club dues. i got to give my dues. And so as a result, they give out of duty or obligation. They, they, they think it's a punishment. Oh, you know, Jesus redeemed me, but as a way to kind of forgive my sins, what I've got to do is give back to God some money because I'm paying for my sins. Churches use that over the years, by the way. It's a great fundraising technique. It's also not true. And some people see it as an uncomfortable topic. I, I, can, can I just be honest for a second? I'm a little uncomfortable preaching about giving at times and here's the reason why see you're all smart people you know that I'm going to talk about giving and I'll probably start about I'm going to start talking about giving to the church I believe that a tithe is 10% it goes to the local church because I believe the local church is the hope for the world in changing people's lives and for disciple making and for giving to missions and to helping parachurch organizations survive I believe it's the church And so the tithe goes to the local church. Now, see, here's the problem. Right in your heads right away, at least if I were you, because I'm skeptical by nature, I would say, you know, he's saying this because he makes a living in the local church. If he doesn't raise funds in the local church, how's he going to survive? How's it going to survive? How's this business going to make it? And you know what? You're right. I do make my living here. I think it's biblical, Paul says, laborers worthy of his hire. I think it's all in the Bible. It's there. But there's this tension that develops, and as a result, it becomes an uncomfortable topic for anybody to talk about in some sense. Why? Because we as Americans are tethered to money. We can't get away from it. It is is part of our DNA of materialism. And so we have to, as followers of Jesus Christ, we have to battle the spirit of materialism. We have to battle it all the time because otherwise it becomes an idol in our lives. You know, if you, I was talking to Nate and Cheryl just a little bit over the past couple of weeks. great to have him here, isn't it? Have Nate and Cheryl here. Is this your last Sunday at church? One more Sunday. Okay. Well, hold your applause. Don't clap for them until then. <laughs> You know, when you go to, every time I go overseas, and I'm only there for 10 days or two weeks, two and a half weeks. I come back into America, and the thing that slaps me full in the face is our materialism. I I mean, you just can't get, you go to other countries, other places that have such a lack, and people are so happy or content or godly, and you come back here, and just everything has to do with what we receive. I want to talk about that a little bit because I think Paul is striking at the heart of this in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. He's got two whole chapters in 2 Corinthians devoted to giving. Now, uh, I'm, I'm preaching, my, just to let you know, my goal was to preach 2 Corinthians 8 today and 2 Corinthians 9 next week. Uh, I'm, I understand there's something going on next week, and so they told me I can't preach uh, next Sunday, but I'll come back to 2 Corinthians 9 some in, in a couple of weeks. But, Just to give you an example, Warren Buffett is um, a billionaire. And several years ago, about 10 years ago, he started a thing called the Giving Pledge. I saw it on 60 Minutes. They were interviewing him. And so what he was trying to do was to recruit other billionaires to give away at least half of their wealth, half of their wealth. It started off with 20 to 30 billionaires. There are more and more billionaires on the planet. As of May of this year, May of this year, he had recruited 204 billionaires in 22 different countries to sign a pledge saying they were going to give away half of their wealth, at least. Over 500 billion dollars has been promised to be given away. As a result of this giving pledge. Why? Because even in a billionaire's heart, how much is enough? Just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. But there's something in giving that breaks off of us the spirit of materialism, this spirit of greed. So I want to talk and give you some points from 2 Corinthians 8. I I want to just walk through the passage to talk about um, how God... Uh, wants us to give, and a a basis for our giving, and to talk about how can we be a giving people. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. How are we thanking him? By being a giving people. But before I do, I've asked Cindy. Cindy was being, uh, she was talking to me and Kathy a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about how I was going to be preaching on tithing and giving, and so uh, she gave, she was talking to me and Kathy about her testimony, and I just thought it was, It was great. And so I wanted her to share with you a testimony about giving, tithing, and what God did in her life as a result. Cindy?
1: Good morning. Um, 30, 35 years ago, I wanted to give, but I was viewing giving off that list as obligation. And I looked at we had very limited budget. We lived very frugally. Um, I was actually not materialistic, but I looked at what I thought was reasonable based on our income and did some mental gymnastics and called it a tithe when it wasn't actually a tithe and did this for several years. And in 1989, though, um, a small group of us, we had a little Bible study and a well-known teacher evangelist at that time came to Birmingham and did a conference. And the point of the conference was we were breaking off four different strongholds from our life. And one of them was greed. Well, I didn't know I had greed <laughs> because I wasn't materialistic. And, um, but I did have greed because in my heart I was holding on to something that wasn't mine. I was saying, this is mine, when it really all belonged to the Lord. And through teaching and making confessions and prayer, the Lord actually delivered me from a spirit of greed that day. And I remember I had Samantha, who's now 30, uh, in this hand. She was six months old, and I was holding her, and I was holding my checkbook, which we were told to do, If you're under 25, I'll explain later what a checkbook is. (laughs) And and so I was holding her, and I was holding my checkbook, and we prayed through all these prayers, and at the end of it, something broke off of me. And at that time in my life, I was a completely undemonstrative person, especially in public. I was so overcome by the joy of the Lord and the instant freedom I just started jumping up and down, just jumping up and down. And everybody around me, including my close family, was really staring at me and I think a little embarrassed. But what God did that day was He unlocked the joy of giving for me. And so I didn't put myself under the law saying, Now I will tithe. I actually moved from the law, which was like obligation to grace, and saying, Lord, I acknowledge that it all belongs to you, like every bit of it is yours, and I just am the steward of this, and so that day made a commitment to tithe, but um, fortunately, the Lord had more in store, and a few months later, we were joining a church here in Birmingham, and part of their new member classes was A class on giving and they presented teaching that the tithe goes to the local church and then but it goes it's past that it's offerings and it's alms to the poor and this just unlocked further joy it just brought more joy to my life and I like that line that was in part of the reading this morning you know we we choose gratitude over greed and so that was the process, and, and God has just continued to this day. That joy has just continued to this day. It has never left me, and uh, I have no, no regrets at all. I'm just very, very grateful that God brought this teaching and brought this to me at the time in my life that he did. And so I just give him praise.
0: Thank you, oh, Cindy. Thanks. Give her a hand. Thank you for sharing. You may not know it, but unless you have that spirit of greed broken off of you, it's all got it's got a kernel in our hearts. I think we as Americans we would even say we're not greedy. Well, we would say we're not greedy compared to the guy next door. You know, we're we're measuring the truth that our balloon is ten feet off the ground by the guys whose balloon is four feet off the ground. When God calls us to soar, I believe, in the grace of living life and in the grace of giving. So what I hope you don't hear today is any condemnation. I hope you don't hear any manipulation. What I pray that you'll hear and look at and pray about and examine for yourself is the Word of God. I'm going to give you some personal beliefs on giving and tithing, and I encourage you to pray about those as well. So turn to 2 Corinthians 8 in your Bibles. I know some of you do it on your phone. That's fine. Pull your device out. Go to 2 Corinthians 8. Follow along. I'm going to walk us through 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 through 15. I I know you've looked at your bulletin. I have five points, so we're going to move. We're going to move. Here we go. First point is this. Giving is not a punishment. It is a privilege. Giving is not a punishment. It is a privilege. Hopefully, by my little introduction, you've, you've seen that. It is not us being punished for something, and as a result, we have to give. It's a privilege to give. Second Corinthians eight. Here's what it says: "And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches." Now, let me just stop right there. Uh, Corinth is not a Macedonian church. Corinth is um, Corinth is in Greece. It's next, not far from. Athens but it the Macedonian churches were in another region so he's talking to them about something that's happened in the Macedonian churches and he says out of the most severe trial they're overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity oh my goodness look at that look at the three things he says out of their severe trial they're overcoming joy and their extreme what poverty they were richly generous we would take at least two out of three of those and say i can't give Is, would you not agree uh we're extremely poor ourselves and we're under severe trial therefore but he, if you put that um, unbelievable joy right in the middle of it that overflowing joy that that privilege he goes on and says for i i testified that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. Now, let me just back up just a little bit and give you the context. There, there, is, a, there is a severe famine going on in Jerusalem. The saints in Jerusalem are under an incredible trial. So the Macedonian churches have raised some money to give to Paul to take to Jerusalem to help. Now, I, I know that I'm expanding this whole idea of giving a little bit. Cindy talked about there's the tithe, there's giving, there's alms for the poor, but I, I, I believe that there's this heart of giving that, that extends into all of us, that God is calling us for, and I think these principles that I'm giving you still apply in whatever way you're, you're giving. But the idea that giving is not a punishment, it is a privilege. Paul is hammering this hard in 2 Corinthians 8 to say, people, you have the privilege of giving. Look at how they, they begged us to take their money, is what he's saying. In their poverty and in their trials, they, they, they gave and they wanted us to do it because they saw it as a privilege. He goes on in chapter 9. I'm going to skip ahead to chapter 9 just to give you a verse he says this. I'm going to mess this up somehow. <clears throat> because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. Now, I skip from chapter 8 to the end of chapter 9. The whole argument, I think, kind of flows together. But what he's saying to them is basically that that one of their confessions of the gospel is their giving. That it's such a privilege that when they give, it confesses that the good news has really come into their hearts and has affected them. I'm confession. Um, we did a what well, we did this morning at the beginning of the service. That's called a confession. A confession is. Not always, oh, I'm such a sinner, I'm terrible, I'm horrible, I'm confessing my sins. We, we've attached confession with sin, confession of sins. But confession in its term means agreement. We are agreeing. A confession is an agreement. I'm going to agree with God that he's a great God and greatly to be praised. That's a confession. A confession of the gospel is agreement that, that the gospel has affected my life. And I'm doing something different. And that confession of the gospel that that Paul's talking about here in these two chapters is out of as a result of their generosity. It's not just words, it's it's actions, it's deeds, it's living a life. We're confessing the gospel by living a life that's free, full of joy, generous. Why? Because most of the world doesn't work like that. Second point, giving is not an obstacle, it's an opportunity. It's not something that we have to jump over. You know, an obstacle is something you have to go over to get to what you want, right? Hello? It's something you're trying to overcome. But instead, it is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for us. Second Corinthians 8, verses 6 and 7, he says, And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urge Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But just as you excel, I love this. This is one of my favorite ways to talk about giving. He says, but just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see also that you excel In this grace of giving. We like excellence. We want to be the best. You know, the church in Corinth, by the way, took great pride in being the best. Corinth was a very wealthy area, a very wealthy city. They had a lot. By the way, the church in Corinth would have been the happening charismatic church in the New Testament. I mean, they would also be the church that had the biggest mess. They were in trouble constantly just because wealth had colored, I believe partly, who they were. And there was this divide even in the church between the wealthy and the not so wealthy. The people who had, if you read 1 Corinthians, some of the people who had, they were having a great Lord's Supper. Eating, drinking, partying, calling it the Lord's Supper. People were being excluded who didn't have as much in the Corinthian society. There's sin rampant in the church. They were, they were upset with each other over spiritual gifts, which one was the best. So Paul had encouraged them in 1 Corinthians to get their stuff together. And now he's coming back to them, talking to them about various things. And he's saying, hey, you, you pride yourself in being excellent in faith and in speech and in knowledge. You pride yourself... Now, excel in the grace of giving. How do you excel in the grace of giving? Well, you excel in the grace of giving when you're not controlled by circumstances. When you you say, God is in control of my life. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. He's in control of my life. He's the Lord of my life. I'm a steward. I'm not going to be controlled by circumstances. Therefore, I can give my life away. When we receive an abundance of joy, we've already seen this, that you excel in the grace of giving. Giving should bring joy to your life. I I mean, I've talked to people who say stuff like, I know I have to give to the church. I know I have to. That's not exactly, to me, a joyful attitude. Rather than, I get to give to the church, to parachurch organizations, to missions organizations, to help people around the world. I get to give. Praise God. What joy that brings in my heart. We can live according to our means and beyond. Look, I, I, I'm going to just show my, for those of you who play cards, I'm just going to show my hand. I believe in tithing, and I believe the way the Old Testament teaches is that tithing is a first fruit. It's not what's left over. It's not what I've got left at the end. If I believe, and, and I do believe tithing is 10%, I also recognize there are people here today who are in such financial burden. You can't even you can't even imagine what it's like to to give away 10% of your resources to the church and then to step beyond that and to give to mission causes and to parachurch organizations and to other places. You know, that's just not. It's it's so foreign you can't even imagine what that would be like. Hey look, start where you are. Start wherever you can. If you can only give a dollar, give a dollar, give two dollars, give three dollars. Let it grow in your heart. Let it grow in your giving. Let it grow in your grow in your life. Live according to your means. I am in no way saying to you, if you're in if you can't, you don't have a meal. Look, I, we demand your money. Because that's not excelling in the grace of giving. That's a manipulation. But I do believe if you'll start a regular practice of giving, you'll be amazed at what God can do. Cast your stuff on the water, see what God will do. I don't know. Okay, it's fine. Try it though. You'll be amazed. What God, you really will be amazed what God will do. Get, give of your own accord. I'm not trying to manipulate you. Please, I pray that that doesn't come across today. But I am trying to point out to you in God's word what he says about about giving. Give eagerly. We give first to the Lord. I've already kind of told you my ideas on that, and I'll come back to it again later. And give, give, give then to others. Excel in the grace of giving. Excel in the grace of giving because... Giving is not to be a burden, it's to be a blessing. It's to be a blessing. Again, Paul says, I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that even though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you might through his poverty become rich. We are rich in the Lord in what we do. Charles Spurgeon, great preacher of the 1800s, he he would regularly do a fundraising sermon for an orphanage that he had. And after the service, someone came up to him and said to him, Brother Spurgeon, I was under the impression that you preached for souls and not for money. And, you know, in that really condescending kind of tone. To which Spurgeon, it may not have been the best response, but I loved it nonetheless. He said to the guy, Our orphans can't eat souls. And <laughs> he said to the guy, And even if they could, it would take at least four of yours to make a square meal. (laughs) There's this idea that we have to give, and it becomes a burden rather than a blessing. And I'm not just talking a blessing to us, but... A blessing to those who receive and a blessing to us who give. There's blessings all around when we become a thankful, giving people. 1 John says this, this is how we know what love is. Okay, I want to know what love is, don't you? This is how Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. How do you know what love is? receiving the laid down love of Christ and in turn laying down your life for others. He goes on and says, if anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue but with actions and in truth. You know, you can dance around this all you want, right? You can look at passages like this and say, you know, he's just probably talking to a specific group of people. I I think he's talking to us to say, look, when we see people in need and we say I'm withholding, how can you say you love them? Your material possessions should be a blessing to one another. Cheryl, a couple of uh, weeks ago, talked about how the church had everything in common. Shared with one another. Man, that is, that, look, that, that's just communism. You know, that's what that is right there. I'm, I'm a materialistic capitalist right here. No, you're just greedy. You just want stuff for yourself. And you see giving as a burden and not a blessing. And I believe receiving the truth that God gave his everything for us, Jesus laid down his life for us, we in turn lay our lives down for others will totally change our perspective. One time Mother Teresa was uh, in Australia and, and this young friar, young priest, had been given to her to kind of be her gopher, to help her. And, and he was so excited about, you know, accompanying Mother Teresa around Australia, being able to talk to her, hear her words of insight, just being blessed by her. And so, But what he found was everybody else wanted to talk to her. So he could never get his way in to, to, to speak with her. So the end of the trip came, and he was frustrated over the fact that he, that he couldn't, he didn't have any chance to, to talk to Mother Teresa. So he said to her, she's about to fly to New Guinea from Australia. He says to her, hey, if I pay my way to fly and buy the seat next to you, can I talk to you on the flight to New Guinea? And I would have said, sure, come on. Buy a ticket, hop on board. She says to him, you can afford a plane ticket to New Guinea? And he goes, yeah, I can can buy it. She says to him, give the money to the poor. You'll learn much more by that than traveling with me. Jesus says, sell what you have and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven. We talked about investment strategies last week, didn't we? About relationships, for those of you who are here, we talked about investing in relationships because it's going to be one of the treasures in heaven. Another way we build treasure in heaven, another great investment strategy is give away now. And you may say, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a minute. Selling everything I have? Listen, Listen to Jesus about this. I'm not in any way saying sell everything you have. And give it all away to the poor. But listen, I think there's a principle here about about giving rather than taking. Dr. Roger Rice uh, did did some uh, research on spirituality and spiritual disciplines. And he wanted to examine individuals within the church to see how spiritual disciplines translated into their joy and their their relationship with, with God. And he studied things like reading the Bible, prayer, going to church, different spiritual disciplines. And he, he came back in this report and said: the number one measurement of spirituality and spiritual life in a person is by how they give. He, it's the one constant. He said, Highly, people who are highly given to the Lord and have a deeper spiritual walk, they give 13% of their income away. Those who he measured, and again, I understand their flaws in every survey, please. But those that he measured that were the least only gave 2% or less of their income away. By the way, if you were to uh, do a survey within a church, 17% of people who attend church say they tithe, when in fact only about 7 to 8% actually do. Now, you know, I believe fullness, is our, our stats are higher. But we still have probably 30% of the people in our church who give 90% of the money to the church. And I'm not even talking about giving money away outside of our church. Jesus is saying, sell everything you've got and give it to the poor. I'm thinking 10% sounds pretty good. (laughs) I don't know about you. But the idea is this that that we are to uh, give it all away for Him our lives. We're to give our lives. He gave His life for us. We, in turn, should have the willingness to give to Him. Let's pretend that you start a church. You started a church somewhere, that church has grown, it's healthy, it's vibrant, it's doing well. And you've got one thing to say to that church before you leave, and they'll probably never see you again. Just pretend. You'll never get to see them again. It's your last word to that church. What are you going to tell them? The last line you're going to leave them with. They're going to remember. You know, last words are important. And so the last thing you're going to leave them with. Paul, we see in Acts, has this opportunity. Church in Ephesus is in modern-day Turkey. He's traveling after raising this money. He's going down to Jerusalem. He's coming through. The the Ephesian elders come down from Ephesus to Miletus to meet him at the port. And he, he shares with them. He gives them some instructions. He tells them, and then... This is his last line before he leaves them. In everything I did, I showed you that by the kind of hard work we must help the weak. Remembering the words, the Lord Jesus himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Then they cried, they hugged each other, he left. Do you think giving was important? The last words he's leaving, and he's trying to say to him, It's a blessing, it is not a burden. to to give away to the Lord. It's more blessed to give to than to receive. Now here's what's really funny about that line. We can't find that line in any of the Gospels. It's more blessed to give than to receive. But the principle is there. Paul had heard others speak of it. And he lived it out. To his young mentoree, Timothy, who is now heading the church in Ephesus... Are you going to take hold of the life that's truly life? Don't trust in riches. Give away. You know, I find it fascinating, and we're going to get to this point in a minute. Paul says, I'm not, I'm not telling you you have to when he's talking to him. But then he comes over to T- Timothy and says, command them. <laughs> you know, it seems like, well, wait a minute, Paul. Let's get, I think what he's saying is teach them. That wealth is so uncertain. And that one of the ways you break the hold of wealth on your heart is by giving away. Because giving is to be a blessing, not a burden. Moving on. Giving is not legalism. It is an act of grace. Giving is not legalism. It is an act of grace. Verses 10 and 12, he says, And here is my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now, finish the work. So that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it. Willingness and completion. This combination to say, I've got the heart to do it, and I finish it. I do it. According to your means. I I like that too. It's a realistic appraisal according to your, to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. <clears throat> so, I believe in this. Let me go ahead and I just want to highlight that last line, that There's willingness to give. And as a result of the willingness to give, then you'll give. So like at the end of the service this morning, I'll just go ahead and tell you this. We're going to have the offering plate spread out across the front. Not because I want to manipulate you into giving more money. Those of you who are part of fullness, you know our financial situation, you know where we stand. That's not the point. The point is that that there is something released in us when we give according to what God tells us to give. There's freedom that occurs in our lives. And that's my desire for you as pastor of this church. Is for you to walk in freedom. It's not about money making for the church. Now there is, there, you know, logistically it takes a little bit of cash to keep this thing going. You know we have staff, we have lights, we have air conditioners, and usually there's always one busted. You know this, the building's a certain age; it takes work to keep things. It it takes means for it to occur. But I I I believe that giving is an act of grace. Jesus talks about that widow's might. Do you remember? She you know there's this one guy just doing all this showboating and given to let everybody know and she's dropping in what she has by her means. Now the sacrifice she made was in fact much greater than the sacrifice he made because it was all she had. Here's what I don't want us to end up in. I know people who have been raised in the church and tithing, I've Again, I'm, I'm telling you what I believe. Tithing is, there's an Old Testament truth about it. Giving 10%, which is a tithe, to the place that you're a part of. The thing you're connected to. The place where you're receiving your spiritual life. Tithing, I'll just say it straight out. Tithing is not leaving an extra tip for a waitress. That You can call it that, but that's not what it is. That's a gift of giving, and if that's you want to live and act, I'm, look. When you got to lunch today, don't stiff the waitress. All right, that's what I'm saying. Be a generous people, but that's not the tithe. But what happens is, we as New Testament believers, where there's no tithe mentioned in the New Testament, we say, you know what? I'm not under the law anymore. I'm under grace. Good. I'm with you. You're not under law. You're under grace but here's the implication that you're saying. You're saying grace that costs God everything costs me less. I live under grace, therefore I don't have to do it. I'm, I'm free to not do anything. Yes, you are, but I'm telling you, it's not the way to live the Christian life. Grace doesn't call for less. It actually says, I, I want all of you. If you're a steward you're a steward that means god is the owner correct he owns the cattle on a thousand hills and because i've given my life to jesus he now owns me totally there's a philosophy there's a belief there's a theology to that how can you step back and say look grace demands less grace calls me to a lesser level of living if if maybe you disagree with me and that's fine you're free to disagree with me but i would encourage you to read the sermon on the mount where Jesus calls us not, I mean, he says, oh, yeah, you know, if, if you're less after a woman, you, you've heard it, committing adultery is this. I'm telling you, it's this. Well, that's not less, it's more. Grace. But, you know, here's the thing. If you live according to legalism, you'll ask questions like, well, the tithe's 10%. I'm going to give my 10%. Here's my 10%. It's a burden. It's an obligation. I have to do it. Boom. There it is. Done. Stinking tithe. (laughs) But instead, if you say, God has changed my life, I've been transformed by the gospel. I want to give my life away. I want to share the good news of Jesus Christ. I want, to, I want to give of my resources to the world around me. There's something freeing in grace. There's something binding in legalism. My dad, the Christmas before he passed away, we were with the Rosses having dinner. and My whole family was there. And we were talking about teaching on tithing my dad my dad is only my dad could do said something like i don't even remember his line do you remember what he said he said something like this is this is a stupid topic or something like that i'm like really and what my dad my dad in his way of saying was every year your mom and i prayed about what we should give to the church Every year we sought after God. And you know what? He never told us less than 10%. And he said, you know, we're giving 15, 16, 17. We kept up. it Because every year God was saying, give your life away. Give your life away. Give your life away. My dad understood the gospel of grace. Even though at times his speech wasn't exactly graceful. In his heart, though, he was pure in his understanding of giving it away. So I think, you know, I, Kathy and I, we give, I'll just tell you, we give more than 10% to the local church. And then we give away on top of that, as Cindy was saying. We give to different mission groups, different organizations, different things, and we're trying to up it. Your church believes in giving away. So at this point, somewhere between 12 and 13% of every dollar you give goes away from here. It goes to different mission endeavors. It goes to Pastor AJ over at Woodlawn. It goes to help Nate and Cheryl. It goes to help Amy Jacks. Now, you may be saying, well, we're paying for people. No, you're paying for to help people fight human trafficking in Athens. You're paying to help do surgeries in Africa. Your money is going to an orphanage in India. Your your money is going to spread the gospel in in refugee camps in Jordan. And we want to up it. I would love to be at a place where 20% of... It's been my goal ever since I've been pastor here. That 20% of the money that comes into fullness goes out somewhere else. We help support campus ministries in our city. I mean, your money... God's money is going out, and I'd love to see it increase, but it can only increase if we all join in the blessing that is in in giving. Final point. Giving is an acknowledgement of what? God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness. You see, here's the great thing about grace, is we recognize that it all begins with him. God is love. God is grace. God is mercy. God is faithful. Therefore, I'm going to give away because that's who God is. If I don't give, my confession is this, I don't think God is trustworthy. I don't think God is faithful. I'm going to withhold my funds because I'm not sure he's going to come through. Listen, I, again, you can go crazy here and, I, you know, there's that fine line that I'm trying to give you truth and not fall into a ditch that you've heard by some preacher on TBN that says, hey, you don't have a $1,000, give me that $1,000. God will take that seed faith, he'll multiply it many times over, and you'll be blessed. If you don't have a $1,000... Go take out a loan. Get the $1,000. Because that's a seed faith. And God will pay your $1,000 back and your refrigerator will work and everything's going to go great in your life. I don't want to be that guy when I'm standing before God's throne answering for what I've told people and manipulated them for their money. But I will tell you this. If you'll pray and seek after God and say, God, you are a faithful God. I want to be a faithful person. Show me how to live my life. Show me what to give. Show me how to to live this life of faithfulness before you. I believe the Spirit of God is in each. I believe in the priesthood of the believer. I believe that God will speak to you about how to live your life and how to handle your money. 2 Corinthians 8 says this. Last couple of verses. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. Then there will be equality, as it is written. He who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. Now, you may read this passage and think this is just about equality. I think it's about faithfulness. I think about it, it's, it's God's word to us about living faithful lives to help each other. Someday, TV may need help. I'm gonna, I want to be there to help TV. Someday, I may need help. Someday, John Kerry might need help, and TV and I want to be there to help John. And then John will turn around. Now, this is not communism, people. I know, we start thinking, oh, you know, these socialist it's not that it's about living a life of faithfulness before god to love each other and help each other quit putting systems on people and instead say you know what christianity is in its basic nature thank you relationship with god and relationship god's faithfulness to me i want to be faithful to him by giving my life away to others giving stuff away to others, helping others, blessing the church that I'm a part of, letting it walk in freedom. Look, it's the idea of stewardship. J. Oswald Sanders says this, the basic question is not how much of our money should we give to God, but how much of God's money should we keep for ourselves? When you're a steward, you start recognizing everything I have is his, including me. How much, God, do you want me? What kind of faithfulness do you want to live, me to live in my life? Please, people, I pray that this morning what you've heard is this. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. You're a giving God. Make me a giving person. May I give my life away in all of its forms, from the resources to the words to the service you may not know this, but on Sunday morning now, we gather together everybody who's serving in some area, in some capacity of our church, on that day to pray together before we go to our places of service. I, it's unbelievable. I never knew there were this many people doing this much stuff on Sunday morning, giving their lives away to serve. You can do that, but give your resources, give your life here and outside. Please, for those of you who are part of Fullness for over a number of years, you know that everything is not, this is not the center of the universe. But I do believe God will lead us to be an incredibly giving people. And here's what I want us to do. Uh, John is going to bring, John Kerry is going to come and spread the offering plates across the front. And I would like you, as a confession of the gospel, just to give away something. Something. And again, it doesn't have to... If God leads you to give much, give much. But if God is just saying, give a quarter, give a dollar, give give something. Maybe you don't even have anything today. You're saying, I don't have a penny on me. Turn to the person next to you. (laughs) Equality today, people. (laughs) Or just write on your card, God loves me. I want to give my life away. Give yourself. Because... Really, when you give in the offering what you're saying, God, this little bit represents all of me. Take me and use me for your kingdom's sake. And then Craig is going to come up. He's going to lead us in a worship song. Hey, if you're new to fullness and you want to participate in this activity, we're just going to come to the front and give. And really, this is not a prosperity doctrine application in any way other than to say, God, use me. I want to give myself to you afresh and anew today right? Everybody with me? This is a confession of the gospel for today. As you get them ready, Scott's got just one or two quick opportunities he's going to give you, and then we're going to worship. We're going to praise God, praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one. I love that song. Don't you love that song? And we're going to sing that together as a confession of the gospel, and then we're going to come and give.
2: All right. I love that song, too. I honestly have trouble getting the words out when uh, when our worship team is is singing it. Um, but yes, normally I'm supposed to give a philosophy of giving when I set up the offering, but I can't say anything that hasn't been said already better. Um, really are just a couple things to make you aware of this Wednesday night. So just in a few days, we have our annual fullness feast, uh, which is one of I think one of the favorites here around fullness uh, Will we just come together and eat great food and fellowship together and get to hear testimonies of ways that God has blessed us uh, throughout this year? Um, and you've already received uh, sign-ups uh, through your email, but you can you can sign up through that. You can sign up at fullness.life to, to bring a dish. Um, but just come out. It's, it's a great time. It's awesome. Um, I would like to ask a favor. Uh, immediately after the service here, just in a few minutes, uh, we would love it if some people could come downstairs and uh, help us set up tables and chairs in the, in the fellowship hall. Um, Caroline set out helpful diagrams of how we want the room set up and you can go look at those. Um, but if, if you could do that, just set up tables and chairs downstairs right after we finish. That would be awesome. Um, and then lastly, some of you probably were a little confused uh, where Pastor Bart uh, referenced next Sunday. Uh, next Sunday is actually uh, the mark at celebrating 40 years of ministry Uh, for Pastor Bart. He's been doing 40 years of ministry uh, next Sunday. So next Sunday is going to look a little bit different. We're going to have some special things planned. Um, Don't worry, I didn't give it away. Pastor Bart already knows about it. Um, But come back next Sunday. It's going to be a neat time. So let's worship God through the giving of an offering.
0: Missionaries to put in the offering this morning because I don't have my wallet or any cash on me today. I know I'm a spiritual giant. Uh, but uh, thank you all for being here today. I pray that God blesses you. you. Come back Wednesday night for the fullness Thanksgiving feast, where we will indeed give thanks to our God just for his incredible gifts in our life. As you're leaving, there will be a couple of teams, ministry teams on my right and my left, down on either side, one of the Pause. one over here if you'd like uh, prayer before you leave for anything just go see one of these teams and they'll they'll pray for you let me speak this blessing over you and you'll be dismissed now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or even imagine according to his power that is at work within us to him be glory in the church and in christ jesus throughout all generations forever and ever amen God bless you. I love you. Have a great day.
3: When the church Christ was born, then the spirit lit the flame, and this gospel to the world shall not kneel.